Well, Dale will probably trickle in here in a little bit. We'll see what happens here. But uh, before we get started, let's have a word of prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Just thank you for, uh, for giving us such a wonderful, wonderful uh, day like this in the middle of February. Uh, just as a reminder, Lord, of, uh, of how beautiful your creation uh, can be and, and how much we sometimes uh, take for granted and, uh, and we just, just forget what a wonderful, uh, wonderful world you've given us to live in. Um, Lord, just help us to be, uh, be conscious of, of all those around us who are in need in various ways, Lord. Uh, Father, as we go about our daily lives and our daily routines, just, uh, just, just help us to, to focus not upon ourselves, Lord, but to do things that will, will lift you up and uh, to honor you in the eyes of others. Lord, tonight we are, are endeavoring to draw closer to you and to understand more about you through the study of your word. Uh, Father, I just ask that your presence be felt here tonight. Um, we ask that your, that your words will uh, become, uh, that the meaning of your words will become apparent to us as we read through them and as we discuss them. And uh, help us, Lord, to leave here tonight um, with, uh, with a better understanding of who you are and what it is that you would have us do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been talking about Israel for the last uh, few weeks and what the, the prophet Amos had uh, been bringing to them. And we were talking about their, the ways that, that Israel was behaving and some of the things that, that they were doing. And uh, thought it would, might be a good time just to spend a little bit of time talking about idolatry. Um, comes to mind, I don't can't remember the name of the book, but uh, the, the pastor of uh, Grace Fellowship Church down on Gunpowder, he published a, a book on idolatry. And it is a, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good book because it, it goes very, very heavily into the, uh, the things in our lives that we tend to overlook. And he addresses a lot of things um, like in marriage and relationships uh, that we we are one of the things that we're, we're we're guilty of at times is 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 not keeping God at the center of our relationships, whether they're whether it's with our spouse or with someone else, and and and, and he makes the point. Um, and, I, and now, mind you, I've only I've only read portions of the book, but I watched. I, I did attend a talk that he gave on it, and, and he talked about the uh, the fact that that when we're not focusing on God, and we put something else in that relationship above God at the center, we start to have idols in our relationships that we don't even notice and don't even realize that we're, we're starting to, to worship and elevate above what's truly important in that relationship. And, and so it, it brings to, to mind another element of idolatry. And so we're going to talk tonight about, about uh, different, different places throughout Scripture where idol worship is... Um, is mentioned where 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 God talks about exactly what how He feels about things, and uh, we're going to bring it all around to the New Testament in Colossians, where uh, Paul talks about idolatry and and how we can can recognize it in our in our lives today. So uh, we'll start out as we do oftentimes with doing just a basic definition uh, from Webster's about idolatry. It says uh, idolatry is the worship of idols or excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. But in essence, an idol is anything 
that replaces the one true God. Uh, these were some great points. I was, I was trying to put this together uh, myself, and I have to say uh, that I don't recommend that folks, that folks do this as a, as a be-all, end-all, but I wound up on, uh, on a, 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 page, <laughs> a page about idolatry on gotquestions.org, and I almost used it verbatim here because they laid it out so well um, and just wound up, I just wound up breaking it down and inserting Bible verses here and, and, uh, and elaborating a bit further. Uh, but they did, a, they did a really nice job on, on bringing out some of the, the points in Old Testament where, um, where God made it incredibly clear. And if you think about our studies over the last few weeks, um, what, what Israel was going through, it says here from the beginning, God's covenant with Israel was based on exclusive worship of him alone. And those two scripture references there, Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 5.7, are actually the, the two times that we get the Ten Commandments presented by, by Moses. And so when we find that, that God makes it incredibly clear that, that he alone deserves, deserves worship from the Israelites and that, that he alone is worthy of that worship, um, like we said a couple weeks ago, it's pretty simple. God says it, that's the way it is. And, and so it doesn't, he doesn't leave any wiggle room for us to bring other things into that, that position of, of worth or that position of worthiness. The second point, the Israelites were not even to mention the names of false gods. That's in Exodus 23, 13, because to do so would acknowledge their existence and give credence to their power and influence over the people. That's how much God was trying to, to, to remove idols from their lives. It was, don't even mention the names of these false gods, because when you mention them, it, 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 it causes the folks to, to go, oh, yeah, I remember. And, uh, you know, and, and so you want to stay focused upon the one true God and keep those idols out of your mouth, essentially. Israel was forbidden to intermarry with other cultures who embraced false gods because God knew this would lead to compromise. <clears throat> I mean, you can only imagine that if you, if you marry someone from another culture who worships a false god, it, it's, it's in a sense being unequally yoked. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're bringing a spouse in and, and there, will be, there will be some... Uh, um, some compromises that'll be made between the two relate to in a relationship to say, okay, fine. You know, we, we hear about, about uh, Jewish and Christian marriages today. And, and you'll oftentimes hear of someone who, who is, who claims to be devoutly Jewish, yet they have a Christmas tree up because their husband or their, or their wife might be a Christian. So we celebrate Christmas, even though, you know, and so so you you wind up having a compromise that that really takes out the meaning of of a lot of the worship, and so it's something that God was had forbidden in the Old Testament was not to not to to marry uh, from cultures who embrace false gods. The Book of Hosea uses the imagery of adultery to describe Israel's continual chasing after other gods like an unfaithful wife chases after other men. As we talked about before, Israel was just so dead set on not doing what God had told them to do. 
and so dead set on not giving God the the, the worship that that he that he desired, the worship that he deserved. And uh, as we read about with Amos, the Old Testament prophets endlessly prophesied dire consequences for Israel if they continued in their idolatry. Mostly, they were ignored until it was too late, and God's wrath against idol worship was poured out on the nation. But ours is a merciful God, and he never failed to forgive and restore them when they repented and sought his forgiveness. And I love this line, in reality, idols were impotent blocks of stone or wood, and their powers exist only in the minds of the worshipers. Um, you know, you, you, one of the things that would happen back in, in, in that time period is if you defeated another, another group of people and you were able to capture their god, then you truly won. That was a sign of, of look, not only have we defeated you, but we have defeated your God. And we see this here in 1 Samuel, what happened when the Philistines defeated the Israelites and, and they took the Ark of the Covenant back and they placed it in front of their God. And uh, we're going to read about that here. And this, this, this paints this, this wonderful picture of just how impotent blocks of wood or stone um, the the idols were that they were worshiping in the Old Testament. Old Testament, and uh, this is from First Samuel five verses one through five. It says when the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So he was in a submissive position, essentially, uh, before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back up in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon as in Ashdod to this day. So God made it very clear um, that not only is your God not able, uh, not as strong as I am, but he's not able to protect you from me. He sent a very, very clear message. Um, and so we, we see that throughout the Old Testament. Go ahead, Barb. Well, that, but that's also God giving them the symbol, symbol because um, they were Yeah. Right. So that's why I doing archaeology digs over there. They were finding like the statues that we people would have in their homes without any heads. Um, so I mean, God was just letting them know, you know, probably that's why his head was removed. Um, you know, to show them like, I have overtaken. And judgment is coming. <laughs> yep, and judgment is coming. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, 
<coughs> there's a lot of symbolism in, in in what we see happening there, and and you're right that that was was something that would take place. Um, I was actually going to go. I wasn't going to go into that, but you're right about it. Um, the uh, the next thing I was going to talk about was the contest between God and uh, and um, his prophet Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal on on Mount Carmel. Um, I wasn't going to read all of that because that's a very long account. But if you remember um, reading through that. Uh, God makes it incredibly clear uh, that 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 He's Almighty and all powerful. Um, there's a great Ricky Skaggs has actually taken that entire account and turned it into a song, and um, uh, can't remember the actual title of the song. But what's Hey Josh, what's the name of that song? Do you remember? No. Okay. <laughs> I just know how much you like that song, so. Yeah, well, this was this this wasn't that long ago, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, less than ten years ago. Yeah, this one this was. Ricky, Ricky's been doing a number of uh, bluegrass albums over the last ten, twelve years. So you can do that. Yes, it probably makes perfectly good sense too. But I just can't remember the name of it. That song you mentioned last week by Dolly Parton. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> Isn't that a great song? <laughs> That really is a great song. <laughs> yeah, I happened to play that just just totally on a whim, uh, sitting in the living room with uh, with with my my daughters and, and wife late at night on a, uh, I don't know if it was a Friday or Saturday night, and uh, it it was just something that I found as I was going through music on the phone, and uh, I was really really impressed by that song. I liked it a lot. Liked it a lot. But yeah, God. So so God makes it really clear um, in in First Kings, uh, his, his of his power and and how uh, worshiping false gods um, is is going to lead to judgment. Um, we'll continue on here. The testimony of Scripture is that God alone is worthy of worship. Idol worship robs God of the glory that is rightfully His, and that is something He will not tolerate. Isaiah forty two eight says, "I am the Lord. That is my name." My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Um, we wanted to spend some time in the Old Testament so that we could get a, a picture here of what God had set up, what Israel was guilty of doing, what, what we see happening back then. We don't see that as much today, do we? I mean, do we see civilizations that modern civilizations worshiping outright worshiping a a, a symbol? I mean, I guess you, you'll find it in some sects and some religions and some some cults, perhaps. Um, but one of my coworkers said to me one time, I was like, "Is that your idol worship?" But their religion, their common religion. So if you're selling your house, you put a where the priest statues upside down in front of your yard, and that helps sell your house. But that's like an idol to me. You know, I have, I have, I have heard of that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so that's a common thing now. Yeah, I have, I have heard of that. Yeah, I, you, you were, you were, you were doing a very good job of trying to be politically correct, and Barb just ruined it. So, <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. When Rodney and Tammy were living in like the old family house in the world, they wouldn't sell it itself. Well, Rodney's mom said, well, go get that statue out of the backyard, bury it yeah. in, the, in the front or some bury it somewhere in the house will sell. So what's the and difference? It did. So yeah. What's the difference? yeah, I didn't know that the Catholics had a patriot state of real estate. I didn't know that that existed. But but I have no, I have I have heard that, and I and I have no idea where that came from. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it. I would call that superstition, perhaps. Um, Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can see, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not trying to take up for it either. Uh, I'm just I'm trying to see. Actually, now what I want to what I want to say is, can we draw a line between superstition and idol worship? Right. No. No. Well, but I mean, how many of us have a, have a knee jerk reaction? I'm just, I'm just going to ask, how many of us have a knee jerk reaction if a black cat crosses your path and you all of a sudden go, oh, or if you, or if you see a ladder, do you walk under it or do you go around it? Drop a mirror. Drop a mirror, right. Does, does it give you pause? I heard those Yeah. Yeah, yeah does it give you pause? It, and, 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 and so when people wish, wish, you, wish you good luck, is 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 believing in good luck? Yes. It yeah. Without a doubt, yes. I think it's. I think it is. A, it is a, a of a Buddhist origin. Yeah. 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 What's that? Have the day of your choice, huh? <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty safe and benign, isn't it? Yeah. The mirror thing. I heard that they were very expensive and rare. You know, hard to make. And if you broke one, it it took seven years to earn enough money to replace it. Really? So that's that. That might be the origin of of the seven years of bad luck if you broke a mirror. Well, that's interesting. I had never heard that before. Hmm. When I think about idols, this day and time, especially in the United States, and I don't know that much about other countries now, I think we have other idols. Getting busy, too, way too busy to stay in God's word, listen to God's word. Distractions. They're just all. There's a list. There's there's a there's a list, Carol. There's a list, and and uh, and and we will. Well, actually, we'll talk about that a little bit as as we get down the down the pike here a little bit. That that in today's day and age, idol worshiping has has shifted just a bit. But but I, but I am going to come back a little bit to this this thought I'm having about about superstition versus idols because you got me thinking. So so let's say that that when we when we do something like that, or people do something like that, bury a, a statue in their backyard, they're putting they're putting some kind of faith in that statue. That's true. They're putting some kind of faith in that statue, and 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 when you when you give credence to 
um, a black cat crossing your path or, or walking under a ladder or any of those things, you're, you're really putting faith in something other than God. I mean, I think there's an argument that, that superstitions could be a, 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 form of, a form of idol worship that, that maybe we're not even recognizing sometimes. When I walk under a ladder, I always check to see if it's up really good. Do you? <laughs> Before or after? Before. Okay, yes. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes they're not level or a lot, a lot of reasons. Uh, absolutely. It has nothing to do with... Superstition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got baseball players who won't, you know, they won't wash their jersey or they, uh, they when they walk out, when a... When a, when a when a player walks out to to the field, he he won't step on the first baseline, or you know all these different things rabbit's that foot. Uh, rabbit's foot. Yeah, the poor rabbit wasn't so lucky, was he? Yeah, you know it's it's a it, there's a lot of these things in our culture that we've gr- that we've all grown up with. I think there's like a difference between superstition and I'll agree with that. Yeah. Right. Man, you you set yourself up for a, for a long day the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It may have started somewhere for 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 some reason. Oh my goodness! Falling backwards the whole year is what the I have never is. heard that one. Yeah, that was we were raised with that one too. So we were never allowed to eat chicken. It's my mother-in-law. So we were never allowed to eat chicken, eggs, or anything on New Year's Day. Huh. And then when I heard this year, she and then right before midnight, you open your your door so the old year can go out and the new year can come in. <laughs> so that is my tradition. I uh, let it go out the same way Santa Claus goes out and comes in. <laughs> well, my I think my, uh, my my wife's grandmother every year she would put a penny in the windowsill, and or something about she would she would put some salt and a penny in the windowsill at New Year's Eve, and I don't I, I don't know what the symbolism was of that. There was something that she would do. As a, it, it, there's a lot of these things. Are you? It's, it's on. The, it's on the album. Um, no, it's not on Soldier of the Cross. It's on. Yes. Oh, it's on Mosaic. Okay, it's on his album called Mosaic. What's the name of it? Fire from the sky. Yes. Okay. Now we now we have it, and and when you get the opportunity, listen to that song. It's 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 almost a word for word account. I mean, or a, you know, a blow by blow account of what takes place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if, if something happened and you didn't get to eat sauerkraut for some reason, you're not going to lose any sleep over it. You know, but if you stayed up all, all night going, oh no, what's going to happen? You might want to examine where you're at. But see, that's what I'm saying. If I ate the sauerkraut and, and, and the soup beans, I'd be up all night anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would not have a. I wouldn't have a good night. It, yeah, I was. I was tempted to leave when uh, Scott Paul was up here showing his beans on Sunday. I, well, the little bear. Did you get a flag from the? You know, he showed that. Oh uh, no, no. The way that Josh did it, we didn't get any. Uh, any copyright flags? Yeah, he didn't actually stream it out. Yeah, it worked out okay. Oh, really? Something something happened then to uh, to knock something down. Mm. Did you, I'm just curious, not to derail too much. Did you did you do it off of Facebook or did you do it off the website? Website. Okay. If if you if you're able to go to Facebook, whenever that doesn't work, you should be able to find it definitely on Facebook. Okay. Like just try to get off the website. That's that's fine. It, it it gets a little little hairy sometimes. But I. I <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's great that we 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 came to this this, this conclusion here about. Uh, about some some modern day things when we talk about idol worship, because I was really trying to think of what physical objects you know can we can we put into today's frame and say, well, look, here's how we treat them similarly to how uh, Old Testament scripture talked about uh, the civilizations treating them, and I, th I think you got a good point there about burying the statue. Um, Oh no! Yeah, there's no question, no question. Well, it introduces you to several. If 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 not, uh, um, if not being one itself, I mean, you can. There, there's so much that you could fall prey to. My, by uh, my goodness, just watch the Super Bowl. Sure. My, my favorite example is Michael Jackson. Everybody knows who Michael Jackson is, but he, he didn't have a TV. Either. You probably wouldn't have any idea. No, you probably wouldn't have any, even the slightest idea. Well, let's talk about a little bit about modern day here and what the New Testament has to say. But first, we'll look at at um, exactly <coughs> exactly what is said here in the Ten Commandments. So, the significance God places upon idolatry is reflected in the fact that the first of the Ten Commandments refers to idolatry. Um, and God spoke these words, saying, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Um, I, has anybody seen the clip of Oprah Winfrey talking about when she fell away from Christianity as a young young person. She said she was sitting in the front row of her church and the, the pastor was, was giving a sermon and he said, 
God is a jealous God. And she said immediately right then, she heard in her mind, well, any God who is jealous of me is no God that I want to worship. And so she started forming her own view of spirituality and her own view of who God is. And that's why you hear her say things to people like, well, whether you call it God or you call it Jesus or whatever it is, we're all still talking about the same thing. She has that kind of a universalism approach to things. And she claims that it goes right back to this verse where God is, where, where the scriptures tell us that God is a jealous God. And, and she didn't have an understanding of what it really meant for, uh, for God to be a jealous God. So I want to unpack that just a little bit. Um, and we'll, we'll do it some more down here in some discussion, but just kind of let that roll around in your head a minute while we read um, from Colossians 3. So this is what Paul says, and I'm going to read a little bit of extra things here because I think it's necessary to frame this. Um, but when Paul starts talking about putting on the new self uh, in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 6, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I, and I wanted to read this because I think it's necessary for us to understand where we should be looking to, and, and it helps us to, to get a picture of, of how we should be framing our lives in relationship to things like idols and, and things of this world. Verse 2, he says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. In verse 3, he says, For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now in verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul really sums things up for us in Colossians because first he says, if you're a child of Christ, if you truly are a child of Christ, then, then, then you really need to set your mind away from the things of this world. If you're focusing on the things of this world, then you're missing the point of Christianity. You're missing the point of, 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 of what Christ did for you. We, we need to filter things through an eye that looks to eternity, not an eye that looks to the finite and what's around us. Because once we do that, we start putting value that we shouldn't put on the things that are around us. And we start elevating concerns and worries and anxieties <clears throat> other people's opinions. I mean, you go down the list, right? Yeah. Lately, I, I, I like to watch certain shows on TV, but when there's all stupid commercials come on, I, I turn volume down anymore. It's ridiculous stuff. It's, you can't get out of your head. I know. I, I, so I, was watch, I was actually watching something on Food Network the other night, and the commercial for a certain movie was played over and over and over so many times that I finally just hit record, turned off the television, and next day went back so I could fast forward through all the commercials and watch it without having to deal with that. Because yeah. not only did I not want to hear it, I didn't want to see it. Yeah, exactly. 
I was, I was sitting in the kitchen by myself, and I said, oh, for crying out loud, how many times are they going to show this thing? And, you know, and then, I, and then, then we went to the movie theater. Um, we go last night? What is this? No, we went, we went Monday. Anyway, we either went night before last or last night. I forgot. But we went to the movie theater, and I had to walk right by the theater that was playing that movie. That was... <laughs> And they had a big billboard up, and you know, and I'm going, I can't get away from this. This is ridiculous. I want to go watch a cat, you know, with a sword, and I gotta walk past all of this. <clears throat> My goodness. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I got mom, I got mom out too. We all we all went and wheeled her right on in there, and she sat and watched it and sat and laughed with the rest of us. So Yeah, I called her. I said, You wanna you wanna go see a see a movie with us tonight? I don't know. I've been out in a long time. I said, I know. That's why I'm calling you. <laughs> he said, yeah, I think I'll try it. So she, she enjoyed herself. But, <clears throat> but you're right. I mean, these, these, things, these things distract us. And, you know, I was, I was talking to Scott Paul here um, after the, the message on, on Sunday. And he was talking about working out in a, in a gym. And, and he was talking about how he had met um, Shannon because he referenced that on Sunday. He was talking about how when you, even when you go to the gym, he says, I need something in my ears to distract me. So he says, I listen to, to, to usually to, to Christian music or some sort of a, of a podcast or something that keeps me focused because he said he has tried to turn his workout time into worship time. Because when you walk into the gym, he said, there's all of these distractions everywhere and if a, and a man, a man especially, if he's not careful, there are things there to tempt him and in places where they just shouldn't be. So he said, if I go in and I put these things in my ears and I get in my zone, and he said, I will, he said, he said sometimes he'll even do this wall of Jericho thing where before he lays down on the weight bench, he'll walk around it several times and pray. And then he'll, then he'll lay down and, and, and do what he, what he came there to do. Uh, it was an interesting conversation and, and kind of uh, just, just enlightened a little bit about how, um, how he tries to avoid the things of the world that will draw you in the wrong direction. And so Paul is telling people, cast these things aside. And in the midst of all of that conversation, he talks about covetousness. Now, another question there I have, why are idols dangerous? And verse 6 really tells that. Um, God makes it really clear, and we've seen it with we've seen it with with Israel. He says, "On account of these, the wrath of God is coming." It's it's really that simple. God's wrath is coming for idolaters. God's wrath is coming for those who have not turned and and repented of their ways and and turned to God. And so, idolatry is a very dangerous thing, as as all sin is. But let's talk about what God means when he says he is a jealous God. And what is he jealous for? And we'll read that. But I want to hear your, 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 uh, your input on that before we go into what John Piper has to say. Stop it, Carol. Then, you know, then do I really matter to Carol? Because she's not, you know, 
given more attention to Betsy than she is me. So I mean, and it's it, that that my sentence becomes envious. Yes. But then, but then you're starting to think, well, you know, she cares more for this than she does for me, and 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 it's not the, the same thing. His jealousy is not so much of a jealousy as it is that he wants that reference and he wants us. He doesn't want our stuff. He wants us. So what's the difference between God's jealousy and the jealousy you described that you have right now in your heart because she gives too much attention to Betsy? Because one, would you say that your jealousy is sinful? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you have it. You know, I'm not. <laughs> or could rise to the level of sinfulness. Envious, right? Yes. Well, it's covetousness. It's covetousness, which is what Paul's talking about here, right? So it 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 really does play right into what Paul is saying. You need to avoid these things. And yet we talk about God being jealous. And so I'm looking for, for how is it different and why is it different? I looked it up, um, what the Hebrew translation is, but it's sometimes it gives a lot more. Yeah. But it says, um, it's only used to describe God and is related to another word that means zeal. Common synonyms for zeal are passion, enthusiasm, and fervor. God passionately loves his people because he chose them. Interesting. Okay. That's kind of a spin on it. it, it yeah, it is a spin on it. I don't think it gives a full explanation. But more of a, you can look at it this way. Jealousy is more of a, a zeal that he doesn't want anything to interfere with his relationship. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that, that's interesting. There's another way of looking at it. You know, Paul was not a nice guy. You know, he was pretty bad. He was very matter of fact. Yeah. And oh, yeah, when he was Saul, he was, yeah. yeah. He, he was zealous. And, yes, he was. And when they got a hold of him, he was really zealous. Yeah. <laughs> in jail, in, in all, <laughs> all ways. Right. And, it, and it may not be like him, him he's saying he was a jealous guy. And from a book that was maybe what she was reading was trying to revert to. It's not like a jealousy that we think of a jealousy, like my that kind of jealousy, um, but more of a you know a loving relationship. You know, that, that wants that commitment. Yeah. Because he loves us because if we don't love him enough to put him first, to be the not just a yes the priority in our life. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I think. I think he wants us to come to the realization that we're all looking for something. We have holes in our heart and in our soul, and we have needs, and we want them fulfilled. But I think he wants us to come to the realization as if we look at him, he fills all that up. He fills it all. We look anywhere else, and we need to be joyful in that knowledge. Without a doubt. Yeah, and that's, and that's the kind of commitment he's looking for. And, and, and why? Because he deserves it. Why? Because he's worthy of it. And why? Because he commands it. And he's in a position where he can command it. Now let's look at what Piper says about it. Piper says it's a loving jealousy because we were made to find our greatest joy when he is our greatest treasure. 
John Piper is, is, is a, uh, he's a proponent of this idea called Christian hedonism, essentially saying that, that we, we are the happiest whenever we find everything we need in God. So when God becomes the number one thing in our life, that's when we experience the most joy in our lives. And so he's kind of echoing that here. And he's saying that, that, that I'll read that again, <clears throat> that it's a loving jealousy because we were made to find our greatest joy when he is our greatest treasure. He is jealous that he be honored by being treasured. And he is jealous that we be satisfied by treasuring him. So it's like you said, when, whenever we reach that point and we come to an understanding that God's enough, God's all I need. I don't have to put faith in statues that I bury in the yard. I don't need to be jealous of the fact that Carol likes Betsy better. <laughs> it's just not necessary. No, 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 no. No, this is going to come back and get you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm glad you did it because I couldn't do this with everybody. You know, so... <laughs> Yes. Um, but then as they got older and their dependency on me lessened, my dependency on Christ lessened to raise them. And it's just like, and I miss that. And I, I'm, I'm good on a good running going, and then I hit come to the hill, and I run out of steam. So I sit there at the bottom, <laughs> and I'm trying to make it back on top of it. <laughs> Have you ever read that you brought something to mind here that, that I'm, I don't want to go too far off in the weeds, but um, uh, the, the guy who wrote Case for Christ. Um, 
Struble, thank you. Um, he, all, he wrote Case for Christ and a bunch of different ones, right? Um, I think it's in, it might be in Case for Christ. He, he goes to Canada to conduct an interview with the man who led Billy Graham to Christ. And he, has, he had since, and, and many, many years ago, left Christianity and denounced Christ. And he finds this man, older, suffering from uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, alone in a room, and they allow him to go in and interview him. And he goes in and he starts to, he wants to talk with him and see if he can get any sort of, a, of, a, of a, an idea as to why he, de he, he decided to, to say, no, Christianity is not real. No, I don't believe in Christ. No, no, no. And Billy Graham obviously went on. And, and there's an there's a account in the book, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't remember it completely. But essentially, he talks to him about, about Jesus, and the man just breaks down and starts just crying. And at the end of his cry, he just says, I miss him. And, and it's such a, just reading it was such an emotional thing to realize the impact that a relationship with Christ has on you. If you really, if you really admit it, if you really accept it, an impact that a relationship with Christ has on you, even if it wasn't as strong as it should have been, even maybe if it wasn't to the point of salvation, understanding and, and, and getting some sort of an idea of who Christ is, you don't, you don't lose it. And you miss him. You miss him. And, and it does become a conscious battle. You know, I, my day-to-day -day life right now, I am nowhere nearly as dependent, if you will. I, I am, I just don't think I am, as I was during, during that time period when Ann was in the hospital. You know, I, I'm, I'm driving down the, down the highway with, with, with Jesse, and, and Ann was in the hospital, and they had given us no hope and all that good stuff. And, uh, and I literally just got this incredible, it was almost as if you had, well, this is going to sound weird, but it was as if I'd lost 100 pounds. I really felt as if all of this weight and all of this burden and all of this worry and everything was completely gone. And I was, I, I was just happy-go-lucky driving down the road. And I looked at Jesse, and I said, Jesse, I said, you're going to see something with me. I said, I don't know what we're in for. I don't know how long it's going to take. But I said, I, said, I, I, I truly am beginning to understand what it means to have a peace that, that, that surpasses all understanding. Because I can't tell you why I feel so at peace right now. But I had given everything over to him to handle and I said, but tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and it's going to hit me again. And I'm going to have to give it back to him again. Yeah. So I said, you're going to, you're going to see me. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, I, I'm going to, it's not going to make any sense. And then you're going to see me down just, you know, just blubbering. And I'm going to be going back and forth because I have to keep reminding myself that he can deal with it and I can't. And so it's a conscious decision for us to, 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 to accept that what he can do and we can't and, and, and realize that we need to be dependent upon him. Yeah. And, that's just, yeah. and I, I mean, I'm, that's, Bethany had her accident and she was in the hospital and, you know, and I didn't get to touch her those first couple of days. I mean, I had a piece, and it's just like, and I sat and I did 
we've had other people who would be like hysterical for their kids, and it's just like, why am I not hysterical? And then, I mean, Satan robs me of that peace that I had by making me feel guilty for not being somewhere. And I was worried about making sure people who were coming to visit us and make sure we were doing okay. Right. I was worried about making sure they were okay. You know, then then I, I would feel bad because I didn't have that hysteria. I mean... Oh yeah, though that's 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 a that's a whole other side of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The world's telling us we should behave a certain way, and uh, and as Christians, we're we're just different, Barb. We're just different. Let's. Um, I, I didn't mean to, to sideline us there, but let's let's go back to finishing this up here, if 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 we if we can. Uh, I'll just jump back in here in the middle of that. It says so he is. He is jealous in a loving way, and he is jealous in a righteous way. That is something that you and I aren't, aren't, aren't able uh, to pull off. And if we find God to be so boring or so negligible that we must put other things in his place that really satisfy us more than he does, then we not only offend him, but we also destroy ourselves. Those two things make God angry. He doesn't want to be offended, and he doesn't want us to destroy ourselves. Idolatry contradicts both of these things, and so his wrath comes upon the idolater. And I think that's a pretty good picture of, of God, and under our explanation of God and his, and his jealousness. Um, when Paul speaks of covetousness, which is idolatry, how does that open the door for us to, to recognize idols in our life today? And we've talked about that. But um, I'll read you what, what Piper said about that as well. He says, So what idolatry looks like today is the activity of the human heart, like Carol was talking about. This is not a deed of the body <clears throat> that follows uh, a, a, a fruit on a branch. It starts in the heart, a craving, a wanting, enjoying being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. That is an idol. Paul calls this covetousness. A disordered love or desire, loving more than God what ought to be loved less than God and only for the sake of God. But covetousness is the, is the condition that was disordered, or that, that this disordered heart is in. An act of loving too much that ought to be loved, what ought to be loved less. I'm, I, bon- I just totally messed that up, but I hope you get it. Because what we're what he's saying is we are guilty of taking things that we shouldn't love as much as we do and lowering God beneath them. And he says, and that is why the wrath of God is coming. That is what idolatry looks like today, and it is everywhere in our culture. Um, it is a, it, it is a, a, it's amazing the things that that we can elevate to idols, and and we've touched on a lot of them here tonight. And uh, and Carol mentioned a lot of them as well. It's it's things that we things that we don't normally see, things that uh, that we experience every day, but we don't normally see them as idols. Uh, so so it's good to take inventory, is it not? It's it's good to make the decision that we will take inventory on a regular basis. You know, they talk about stopping and smell the roses. That means an awful lot. If you, you just just pause. And say, you know what? I'm gonna. Am I? Am I really finding the joy in being a Christian today that I should find? 
am, if I really stop to think about it, am I putting, am I tying my emotions and the way I feel to something of this world? Or do I, do I really understand that what Christ did on the cross for me is, is unlike anything that anyone could ever do for anyone else? And that, and that God is worthy of all my worship and all my attention and to be at the center of my world and that everything else is secondary. It, it, it almost sounds offensive to say that God should be first because we tend to live in a, in a, in a society where we want to talk about family is important, job is important, all these things are important. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and when we do that, we, we bump God down several notches on the ladder. And, you know, it's, it, it absolutely irritates me to no end that things like, like 4-H are starting to have meetings on Wednesdays. They never have meetings on Wednesdays. But, you know, we have church activities on Wednesdays. So we have to make decisions. And, and you find families who, who oftentimes during certain times of the year aren't in church because... They want their kids to be in sports because there's a benefit to it. But sports programs are starting to practice on Sunday mornings of all things. And, and that didn't used to be the way it was. So, so we're, we're seeing an elevation in our society as a whole of, of, of bringing things up above God. And, and, and as Christians, it makes it difficult for us um, sometimes to make the right call. But we know what the right call is. The right call is simple. And I'm not meaning to, I, I understand, I do. I, I, I've got kids and we've been through it and we've had these discussions and we've tried to find ways to make it work. But in the end, Sunday morning is where we're going to come to church. That's, that's where we're going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, which is why um, when we're making family decisions, uh, the, the first thing that we really should be doing is praying and, and not just sitting down and having a discussion. Um, I'm, I am so guilty of not going to God in prayer first and saying, come on, let's figure this out, let's figure this out. And really we should gather around, let's hold hands and let's take this to God first and let's ask him for guidance and wisdom and knowledge and to let his word guide us in the direction we should go in. And, uh, and when we do that, we're putting him first and we're casting aside these idols. And, uh, and it's a daily battle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's, that's me all the way. Me all the way. Well, I appreciate the discussion tonight. It's been good. Dale, sorry you missed it. Uh, but uh, no, we had a, had a good good talk tonight about uh, about idols, and uh, and it was uh, uh, it, it went places I didn't expect it to go, and I like it when that happens. Yes, we found out a lot about Barb. I'll fill you in later. <laughs> and I learned some things about Carol too. I did. I did. But you know, it's it's interesting. Betsy just sat there quiet, <laughs> and 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 she's the innocent one in the whole thing, and yet she's the cause of all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I appreciate you all coming here on Wednesday nights. I, I need this. Um, I really do. And, uh, and, and it's, it's wonderful to be able to, to, to spend this time with you and, and, and talk about uh, God's Word and, uh, and uh, to get, get comfortable with each other and, and uh, have some fellowship all in the process. It really is.